There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in We still don't know who pulled the trigger. everybody and welcome to police off the cuff real crime stories i'm your host retired nypd sergeant bill cannon the 27 year veteran of the nypd retired out of manhattan north homicide squad and i have a very very special guest tonight she's actually been on the show two or three times but a while ago we're so old i can see i'm growing older and older <laughs> as i haven't seen her in a long time you never invite me back i invite you and she gets prettier and prettier and she's she's like in the prime of her life i'm I'm moving toward the fourth quarter, or I'm in the fourth quarter, you know. So I'd like for everyone to welcome, uh, I guess I would call you social media consultant, um, specializing in crisis communications and law enforcement, Yael Batur. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> well, you like the way I said Hi, that? Everyone. I'm not even Jewish. No. You know what I mean? My wife's Jewish, so I'm not that, that helps me pronounce. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're Jewish enough for me. Now, it, you what, does your name have a special meaning, Yael Batur? What does that mean? Um, yeah, well, my first name is, it's a very common name in Israel. It means uh, gazelle, but it also means, and I swear my parents didn't think of this, but because it's a very common name, but it, it is the first female assassin in the Bible. So Now, Yael means, means gazelle? Mm-hmm. So you do you run like a gazelle? I know that you were once a marathon runner, right? <laughs> yeah, but not like a gazelle, more like Not like uh, a gazelle? I don't know what what kind of animal runs slowly and has a hard time doing it. That's one that, that stays in good shape. And I would never run a marathon <laughs> now, but the hell, that's great. So yeah, El, it's, again, guy. it's great. It's great to have you back on. Thanks now, for having I know me. You, you have your own successful business now, and you're you're obviously a media consultant. And mm-hmm. you wrote wrote an article very recently, and that's how you actually were brought to my uh, attention again. I was going through LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. I saw your article, and I saw it got a lot of attention, and I think that's great. And the, the the title of your article is "The Latest Misinformation Campaign Is Targeting Cops." And now this is an opinion piece, so Yael, yeah. you get to give your opinion. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wrote this for Newsweek. This is actually my my third one for Newsweek this year, and I, I usually pitch these articles when I'm when I'm very mad about something I see on social media. <laughs> Uh, a lot of times it's related to cops. Um, I wrote the last two pieces about crime victims and um, how they tend to be ignored by by the media, by the general public. Uh, but I wrote this one about uh, misinformation, uh, lies that float around social media uh, regarding uh, police activity, if they stem from like misunderstandings of police activity or just, you know, people who want to, I don't know, like just drag police through the mud. Uh, and I, it was very frustrating because I've seen a lot of examples, and I, I named three of them in the article, of people just completely uh, jumping to the gun, so to speak, about police activity, posting it on social media. Uh, their you know, theories that are wrong are getting hundreds and thousands of shares and retweets. And then once people or the police department come and correct the record, nobody cares. Everybody's moved on. Uh, and it's it's very frustrating because, you know, we talk a lot about misinformation nowadays, but the people who are concerned with misinformation are rarely concerned about it when it comes to, to police. They're only concerned about it when it comes to, uh, you know, information coming from the right wing, uh, misinformation about elections or COVID or whatever. But when it comes from, you know, people more associated with the left, uh, nobody cares. And I'm, uh, as, as you know, I'm an, an extreme moderate uh, and I get very. Uh, I love that extreme kind of moderate. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I I get angry and I, I took to writing and uh, and you know the result you can see. That's fantastic. I just want to give an example. Um, you wrote in this article. I'm going to read. Um, if you read the mainstream media or listen to technology experts, you will at some point hear about the danger of misinformation. It's all around us. They tell us routinely, and it's impeding the ability of the fragile masses to tell fact from fiction. The Mm -hmm. thing is, they are right. 
disinformation is real and it's come for the police. Those are, are your own words. And I would just like mm -hmm. to say that in this 24-hour news cycle uh, where they just keep repeating things, and even if, if you're a conservative, if you're uh, a liberal, watching news 24-7 gets really gets tiring. And yeah, yeah. you got to realize, I think that when, and I, I know this to be true, when journalists don't have anything to report, they make shit up. <laughs> they absolutely do. Yeah, they have to and, fill you know, up the, could, the news cycle. Yeah, they can always hang on the fact of like, oh, that's journalistic integrity. But there's a lot of poetic license taken with what we may call journalistic integrity. And a lot of this integrity goes out the window, you know, and all of a sudden rumor becomes fact. And yeah. that's that's dangerous, right? Yeah, it's, it's incredibly dangerous. I think people don't realize how dangerous it is. It really undermines uh, trust uh, with police departments. It undermines a lot of the good work that police uh, departments are trying to do to build trust within the community. And it leads to situations where people are just completely terrified of police or think they will be shot dead just by you know, interacting with a police officer. And I, you know, I, I blame the, 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 just the media ecosystem for that, right? For people kind of falsifying narratives and spreading rumors. And we've seen it in so many police cases. Um, and, you know, I wrote I wrote that line there, the, the, the fragile masses or the fragile minds or something like that, because again, when people talk about, about misinformation, um, th they tend to say like, oh no, if somebody's gonna be exposed to this, they're going to completely like if, if anybody's exposed to a vaccine, a YouTube uh, or something negative, they're going to completely believe it. Um, and, you know, there's a there's a growing concern about that. But for some reason, uh, you know, people are allowed to just spread lies about police and we're all supposed to just be like, well, OK, it's the government. So who cares? Well, let's go to one of the very biggest lies mm -hmm. that was told in the last two or three years. And as soon as I say it, everyone will know it. And some people still believe that it was true. And that's hands up, don't shoot. Yeah, yeah. Hands up, don't shoot. Um, case of Michael well, Brown. Well, well, yeah, I'll tell, tell the audience where that's from, because they may not even remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is, I think, I believe 2015 or 16 was Michael Brown. Oh, so it's the Michael Brown case. Yeah, uh, in Ferguson, Missouri, um, uh, a man, Michael Brown, was suspected of uh, robbing a uh, convenience store. He was pulled over by a police officer. Um, there was a struggle, and um, the uh, Michael Brown kind of reached for uh, the police officer's gun and ended up uh, being shot and killed by, by that officer. And that caused days and, and weeks of, of riots, and uh, eyewitnesses were saying that uh, Michael Brown had his hands up and said, "You know, hands up, don't shoot." And that became oh, uh, yeah, that actually crime. came that, that actually came from his accomplice who was never from charged. his accomplice. Oh, okay. Well, yes. you know, even better. He actually said he said, "Hands up, don't you know, don't don't shoot." He had yeah, his hands up. Yeah. And don't that and was it's still out a chant that you hear uh, quite a lot these days. Uh, and and I'll, I'll say something maybe perhaps a little controversial. Um, I also think that the you know the, the police department there bears some of the responsibility for not coming out as soon as they could with information. Um, they sat on that for days and days and days and didn't release anything. And the problem is now when you don't say anything, people fill the void with rumors. And that's, that's, you know, the kind of thing that happens, but it's, it's really unfortunate because you see when people talk about, um, you know, how, you know, how sometimes in uh, protests, they say like, say their names, and they, they list names of people who were killed by police. Right. And you you just, you cannot compare, um, you know, you cannot compare uh, these situations. They're all so different. Some of them are completely justified use of force. Some of them are not. Some of, in, in, in some cases, um, you know, uh, like, like in Minneapolis, it wasn't justified and the police officer was put on trial. So, but people kind of, take like a make a blanket statement about all these people that were died uh that were killed by cops without impunity and it's just wrong yeah because i think that they group all of these things together mm -hmm. and they even group them with uh what's his name george zimmerman who wasn't even a cop 
Yeah, you know, that that was a ton of misinformation. First of all, George Zimmerman also wasn't white. He was Hispanic. Yeah. If they yeah, want to get yeah. if they want to, you know, they pushed him as this white man that killed mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin, a black, a black kid, and he wasn't a cop and he wasn't white. So, but yeah. they the media threw that out there just to pour gasoline on a fire that didn't need any gasoline. Yeah. And it's sad because there are a lot of instances, um, you know, when things happen like this that involve maybe a white suspect and a black or Hispanic police officer, and they just get a fraction of the attention. Uh, and it, it just shows that how we're not balanced at how we're looking at this stuff. And if people want to, uh, you know, like have better policing, have a better criminal justice system, they need to be honest about what's going on and what's not going on. And unfortunately, I don't see from, from the activist side, from the politicians and from uh, many members of the media, especially the ones that are active on social media, I just don't see they're, they're not trying to be balanced. They're not striving for truth. They're striving for, for clicks. Well, undoubtedly, there is a um, national and even an international anti-police bias mm-hmm. that, yeah. uh, you know, after all the riots of uh, two summers ago and that whole thing, a cab, you'd see that painted all over the place. And yeah, I see it's it all the for time. All cops are bastards. <laughs> like it just became yeah. the international movement. It became fashionable to hate yeah. the police. And no matter yeah. what happened, you know, that was, that was the narrative that was being pushed out there and the media fed into it. I yeah. can tell and, you, and I you- thought, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no no please! I'm you know I'm Israeli, so we we interrupt and uh, yeah, that's <laughs> talk right. a lot. Um, what no, I'm going to say is that certain certain stations actually pushed the narrative of of the anarchists. Yeah, and I, I thought that was despicable. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I mean, it's not funny; it's sad, but it's but it's also, I guess, kind of ironic that. It, it, the this a cab and this defund the police thing is like there's it's such a small group of people asking for it and pushing it and let me tell you it's not people who live in high crime areas as you know a former uh police commissioner jimmy o'neill would say you know when i go i go to a community council meeting nobody ever asks me for less cops right i mean people who are living in in high crime neighborhoods or just living in new york city they're not the ones who are saying we don't want cops here. If anything, it's it's the opposite, right? They want their public safety. It's mostly, you know, kind of elite uh, intellectuals or people who have honestly never had the need for that kind of protection. You know, yeah, yeah. I used to say years ago that the definition of a conservative is a a liberal that just got mugged. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that, but. With this whole progressive movement that has come from the uh, the West and it's moved East, it's really mm-hmm. pathetic. This whole thing of allowing homeless people to live out on the streets is, to me, is, well, look, we just had that heinous crime in Queens where a real psycho guy killed a veteran EMS lieutenant for no, stabbed her yeah. 20-something yeah. times. That guy was known in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. But yet... He, this psycho, and let's call him what he is, he's a psycho, he's not homeless, he's a psycho, is mm-hmm. wandering the streets and tax-paying citizens have to put up with this nonsense because of this woke, this wokeness of this progressive mm-hmm. left that really let, you know, they look, people want to be protected. They want to go mm-hmm. about their business unmolested by, by crazies. And yeah. this movement of allowing people just to live on the street has to stop. Yeah, and and you know, there's nothing progressive about letting people suffer on the streets. Um, there's a great book that I'd recommend to your your viewers if, if they want, if they're interested in this. It's called uh, "The Least of Us." Uh, it's by this journalist called Sam Quinones, and he, it's about like meth and opioid addiction and mental illness uh, in the country, and it kind of explains how we got here. But he basically talks, and you know, this writer, he's not a conservative. Nobody can accuse him of. of you know, being a conservative, he just tells these stories. But he says, uh, you know, there. Once people are on these types of drugs or doing doing meth, and you know, developing an addiction uh, and living in tents, that's that's what they're doing there. There's nothing humane about letting them stay in this situation. 
Uh, there's nothing humane about leaving people alone. I, you know, when I was at, at NYPD, I was, um, I remember once going on a ride along during a snowstorm where they took, co you know, cops went to like take homeless people and ask them if they want to go to a shelter. And I'll never forget, they, there was one guy who was lying on the ground covered in snow, right? It's the middle of a snowstorm. And they wake him up. They're like, hey, buddy, you know, let's, let, let us take you somewhere warm. And he just kind of shakes the snow off and, and leaves and, and walks away. There's nothing humane about letting people be out on the street, let alone people who have, you know, tendency to violence, mental illness, that's kind of fueled by these cheap ass drugs that they're, they're getting on the streets now. Well, I mean, it's the whole thing we can argue also with uh, letting them inhabit the subway system. Yeah, the, yeah. the answer from the left is let's just put cameras everywhere. So let's arrest them oh. after the fact. And After also the left, they love surveillance now because yeah. the, the thing is like nobody thinks about consequences. You know, no, nobody is like forward thinking about these things. It's just like when there was crime in schools. Uh, I don't know if this is like how many years ago when they founded school safety. Right. And they said, let's get the cops in schools because, you know, our children need to be safe. And, you know, but they put the, the started the NYPD school safety unit. Now they want them all out because now the children are, are not safe because of the cops. So nobody is like thinking long term, everybody thinking like Band-Aid solution. And, you know, as I, I'm, I'm watching kind of the chat with one eye and somebody, Patty, is saying that there aren't places for the mentally ill to go. And it's true. It's, it's easier to get into, you know, Harvard or Yale than to get a bed at, you know, one of the mental hospitals uh, in New York. There's Look, you know, I, I think there should be uh, a place um, for everyone that wants a bed to, to stay. And the thing is, is that we use that euphemism for a homeless. Mm -hmm. You know, years ago, and I'm not saying this is what we should call them. Years ago, they used to call them bums. That was a very, you know, it wasn't a friendly term. Yeah. But really what homeless means is alcoholic, drug addicted, or mentally ill person that's living out mm -hmm. on the street. Homeless yeah. is a euphemism that makes us feel good. Yeah. But all either one of those three things, usually, and I'm not, I can't with a broad brush say every single homeless person has an alcohol, drug, or mental problem, but I would say 95% of them do. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. why they're out on the street. And you yeah. know, you would be you'd get some liberals venomously attacking me for just saying that, but I'm saying it because I worked the streets in New York for 27 years mm -hmm. and I know that's the, a fact. So yeah. yeah. Should we have beds for them? Should we have uh, health care for them? Should we have, you know, treatment and drugs, but when they're out on the street, they're off their meds and that's why they're ticking time bombs. Yeah. And you know, probably, you know, from your work and I don't know what it's like now, but, but back in my day, which was pre 2020 and it, you know, it sounds like a long time ago, you know, the cops in the neighborhood, the homeless outreach officers, they used to know every homeless person by name, right? And they could tell you, like, this guy is this, this guy's off his meds, this guy's okay. And, you know, some of them are, you do feel for, for like, the, the people who are mentally ill, and they're just, like, out of their goddamn mind, excuse me. But the empathy ends, I think, when, when the violence starts. And we have a responsibility to protect people. Like, I live, I, I just moved out, but I, I live on a very very nice block on the upper west side and there was a guy on my corner every day and to tell you that i loved walking around there at night and, and seeing him kind of seethe and talk to himself no that's that's not you know that, that's not fair to the residents of it of didn't make city. you feel safe right? it did, did not make me feel safe no um so yeah i, I think it's very short-sighted to, to to leave them out on the street and then the other thing is people who think that government can can help uh, people overcome their addiction. I'm, I'm not saying there there shouldn't be services, but think if if you think about around you, people you know who are struggling, especially if people you know that are struggling with mental illness or drug addiction, you can't help them sometimes as family as friends, right? So we're saying like, oh no no, the government is going to fix this. You know, it, it it's I don't want to say impossible, but it's very very. Uh, like it's wishful thinking to think that if only we provide the services, everything will be okay. No, that's not true. But I think that the private sector also has to get involved. In How helping. so? Well, with so, their big amounts of money they have. And, oh, and yeah. You have money and, you know, 
help these people maybe get jobs, even if they're the lowest level jobs, right? Yeah. Look, there them. are, there are, you know, there are organizations, organizations that do um, like the bids, the business improvement districts, they hire right. people to clean up uh, and stuff in my neighborhood, which is great. But when you have somebody who's just on and off, and, and again, I, I keep touting this book because it's so good. And it talks about just the journey that people go through when they're on these drugs. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, it's difficult. Uh, but, you know, you talk about the, the private sector, and I don't know if, if you notice um, that nowadays you see a lot more private security around. So every store has private security. Um, you know, some of the, the, the bids hire um, cops to do like uh, paid details in certain areas. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know why that is. You know why that is, is because police are not allowed to do their job. Yeah, they precluded I was in, uh... the police from doing their job. So let's hire private sector because they can kick the people the hell out. I yeah, mean, look at stores. I, I, look, I went you know, to if I own uh... the high end store, I'd yeah. hire three guys from SEAL Team Six. As soon as someone <laughs> tried to steal, I'd bust them up, and the message would get out there. They're not going to come into this store anymore. But police so, are look. The DA won't prosecute these people. Yeah. Uh, well, outrageous. he may prosecute your uh, your SEAL Team Six. SEAL guys Team Six, for, they uh, would prosecute. That's true. But um, you know, I don't know if have you been to the new Penn Station, the new Amtrak Moynihan Hall? I have not. Um, oh, it's so nice. It's and you know, Penn Station's a shithole, but that uh, new train uh, station they built there is gorgeous. And I was there a few weeks ago, uh, actually with with our, our mutual friend Nancy Rollman, and we sat uh, somewhere we weren't supposed to sit. And immediately security guys came up to us and be like, you can't sit here. And we're like, okay. And I, I you definitely you know, look like two homeless people for sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, but you, you know, that's the type of thing that cops would do back in the day, not necessarily patrol, but, but like keep the order. Right. And now nobody's like, it's only private companies, private security. Mm -hmm. That's kind of preventing disorder. Cause you no, know, cop, no cop is ever going to tell you. You can't, you can't sit here to quote, quote a friend of mine who's a, a, a woman asked him if she could make a left turn here with her car. And he said, lady, you can do whatever you want. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw the, uh, a video of what to me was the biggest metaphor for everything that's wrong with this city. Okay. And it showed during rush hour on a subway, there was this homeless guy yeah. just misbehaving and preventing the train from moving. And there were two EMS technicians on the train trying to get him to go off the train. He refused. They refused mm -hmm. to put their hands on him because there gets cameras in their face and yeah. they're not going to touch him. Now, everyone on the train is trying to get to their stop because it's rush hour. Some big roster guy comes on the train, grabs the homeless guy, and just tosses him. He goes airborne over the train. <laughs> And the problem. And probably everybody cheers. Yes. And it used to be that the police would do that or EMS yeah. would do that, but no more because you got all these social justice warriors with their cameras ready to send this to Jacoby and Myers and sue these guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, no, it's, it's, it's amazing. And look, I've, I know, I know police officers see these videos sometimes and, and you guys get really angry at the cops who don't do anything. But I, you know, I don't know if I can blame these cops anymore, these EMS workers. You know, they they don't want to go to jail. They don't want to go. I Somebody said the other day on, on Twitter, uh, and I thought it was really, really interesting. He said, every time I, I t take a job of like somebody who's on drugs, I wonder if this is going to be my in-custody death. Is this going to be my moment where somebody dies on me and that's it. Like my life is, is, is over. And, you know, so many of these situations have nothing to do with the police activity. They just have to do with, with the, the situation that they're in. Well, we, we all know about anyone that's ever worn the police uniform knows about cocaine psychosis. Mm. And also the fact that you're not only mentally at time bomb, but your heart is probably beating at, you know, 160 beats a minute. Yeah. And you're a good candidate at that point for a heart attack or a stroke. Yeah. And if that person dies on you, they're pointing at the police officer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. It's true. And I, I don't know what I would do in their, in their situation. And I have, I have nothing but uh, 
sympathy for these cops. And and also, you know what? I want to shout out the MTA workers too. Every time I see like the MTA conductor, or the person at the at the booth, because I ride the subway a lot, I give them like a wave and a smile because they're out there too on the front lines and they're usually like riding alone and, you know, they, they can't do shit. <laughs> you know, Yael, what, what caused this are politicians? Uh, and okay. I'll, I'll call them right out. Politicians caused this city to turn into shit. They really yeah. have. And it's woke politicians. Look at the city council passing that diaphragm law. That uh, is outrageous. You know? It is the diaphragm. You know what I call the diaphragm law? You can quote me on this. I call it the the removing shoes in the airport of policing. You know how one guy one time had a bomb in his shoe and now everybody has to remove their shoes, which is so right. stupid. Right. Same thing with the diaphragm law. It's like a completely useless Band-Aid solution that doesn't let cops do their job. And people don't want to see how the sausage is made, right? People don't want to see they need to be reminded, and, and again, I'm sorry to say this, but they need to be reminded that the police have authority to use violence. doesn't mean they can use it without discretion. doesn't mean they can use it however they want. And, and if somebody gets abused by a police officer, I hope they sue and I hope they win. But police are allowed. They have, they have you know, state authority to use force. And guess what? It's not pretty. It's not like a Jackie Chan movie. It's not a quick, you know, chop. And even that is too much for some people. Right. You know, I want to show something and, and you were taught, you just mentioned violence. This just happened a couple of weeks ago up in Harlem and an officer, uh, first of all, they were arresting a guy with a gun wanted for an attempted murder. Mm -hmm. And this female punched a male cop in the face and he <laughs> decked her. She was interfering with him. And Oh my God, you would have thought. And the police department got right behind it and they backed the cop up once they found yeah. out that he was totally, let me play this. And this, oh my God, this was so horrible. It was on every news and the news would have ran with this and they would have went against the cop had the uh, police department not uh, backed him up. And this is, this is mm -hmm. the video right here. Tonight, the New York city police department releasing this body cam video amid mounting controversy. An officer accused of punching a woman in the face in Harlem last Tuesday after she appears to take a swing at him during an arrest. The body cam video cutting out shortly after the blow, but you can hear shocked onlookers shouting at the officers. Police said officers were there to arrest a man for attempted murder before the altercation happened. Earlier this week, cell phone video showed the incident where the woman can be seen falling back and hitting her head on the pavement. Tamani Crum, a hairdresser, is now charged with assaulting an officer, resisting arrest, and obstruction. Her mother speaking to NBC New York outside of the police precinct. I get, like, blown away to see this happen to my daughter. You know, it's, it's so painful for a mother to see that. WNBC reporting the NYPD says at least three people who allegedly tried to interfere were also arrested. The girl's grandmother also speaking out, disturbed by what happened. He shouldn't have never, never, never put his hands on her or any female. He's wrong. He's wrong. The NYPD says it has launched an investigation into the August 30th incident, a police union and New York City's mayor defending the officer's conduct. The young lady came, smacked the police officer. The police officer responded. I think those officers on the scene showed great restraint. They did what the system called for. They didn't turn off their body cameras. That's why we have footage of what happened. And the Detectives Endowment Association President Paul D. Giacomo saying, quote, when you assault a New York City detective in order to interfere with an arrest of a man armed with a gun, there are repercussions. NBC New York reporting there have been six complaints over the last 10 years against Officer Kendo Kinsey, according to the Civilian Complaint Review Board. Some of them for use of force violations, but none were substantiated. Crumb's mother has hired an attorney. This has to stop, and we are seeking full accountability in this action. The community reacting, gathering outside Kinsey's precinct, demanding he lose his job. Ron Allen, NBC News, New York. You know, the grandmother should maybe train her granddaughter not to be a savage and attack yeah. a cop. You know, and then the, you know, all these attorneys, you know, they'll still get paid. They'll sue, so, and the city will yeah. still send them some money. It's so pathetic. I saw a similar ridiculous. video as well. And 
And that when you see those videos of people attacking police officers, that should scare everyone because the police officers are are representing us in a way, right? Like they are the system. They are the enforcers of law. You do not put your hands on a police officer. You do not fight back. You are not once you think that you are equal to them, it's it's anarchy. Right? You can again fight back in court, do what you have to do, but they are not your equal and you see more and more of that. And, and it, it scares me, to be honest, it shows that people are just have a complete disregard for the system uh, that they live in. And it's the same people. And, you know, I'm sorry, but it's like, like, like people who litter, right, or people who jump the turnstile, it just says, like, I am not part of the society, I don't need to play by your rules. Uh, and it's, it's infuriating. And another thing I want to say is, is, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I the media loves to bring up use of force allegations against cops and CCB complaints. Is there a way to be an active cop in this city and not have use of force and CCRB complaints? No, there isn't. No, yeah. there's not, you know? Yeah. It, it's not like people, people use it as some kind of like, Oh, you know, we knew he was a dirty cop because he had a complaint against him. I'm like, are you kidding me? Anybody can file a complaint against anybody. And they do. So it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, say what you will about the mayor, but good for him for, for standing up and, and saying the right you know, thing. I, I was a bit shocked that he actually stood up. I, I'm not a big uh, fan of Eric Adams. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he was a police captain. He was never a cop. You know, yeah. I'll put it that way. Uh, he was an activist even when he was uh, on the NYPD. So mm -hmm. yeah. I think he had almost no choice. I, and I hate to bring this up, but I wonder if how it would have been had the cop been white. I don't know if Adams would have jumped to yeah. to defend him. I really he, don't. He has a pretty good record of of defending cops. Uh, he defended um, cops, the cops in the subway who uh, uh, arrested a woman for selling churros or something. Like he has a pretty good record. You know, we we can talk about the things that he does or doesn't do, but he he does tend to say the right things. Um, but people also need to be reminded that it's not an, an equal playing field. You know, you can't put your, you, you don't fight a cop. He's once he has that uniform on, he's not your friend. He's not your ops. He's not your whatever. Um, As we saw. And, yeah. Yeah. I want to play this because this is the most outrageous example of what you're talking yeah. about. I'm with Susan Porter, NJ Burkett, live at the scene on the Upper East Side. NJ. Right, Bill, this incident happened on the Lexington Avenue line at the 125th Street subway station. Officers say they spotted the teen jumping a turnstile, confronted him about it, and then apparently asked him to leave the subway station. They say he refused to do that, and what happened next was captured on cell, on cell phone video. Officers say the teen turned on them in a rage, and for several minutes, it was pandemonium in the 125th Street station. He could be seen throwing punches and landing punches as the officer struggled to arrest him. He will eventually be subdued and taken into custody and then released within 24 hours without posting bail. MTA Chairman Jano Lieber. I don't understand how the law would permit that guy to be released. When he has two priors, he's already out on the street for, to have him immediately released for that attack on a police officer, I don't get it. I know our riders don't get it. Police officials say the officers were attacked after they spotted the teen jumping the turnstile with his girlfriend, that he lashed out at them after they told the couple to leave the subway station. One of two attacks on NYPD transit officers this past weekend. NYPD Transit Chief Jason Wilcox told MTA board members that assaults on his officers have skyrocketed this year. In many cases, while officers were attempting to enforce so-called quality of life infractions. We have seen over a 55% increase in assaults on police officers this year. The majority of these assaults on police officers began as the officers were engaging persons who had committed fair evasion and or other quality of life violations on the trains and stations. In the Harlem incident, police say the same teen had two recent prior arrests, including one case where he was arrested with several others in possession of a loaded 40 caliber gun and a crossbow. The criminals underground know they can get in a brawl, choke a cop, and be back out in hours, said PBA President Patrick Lynch. Cops are putting ourselves on the line to make the subway safer, but we are feeling abandoned by a justice system that won't back us up, end quote. Matthew Rue shot the video. I just want to make sure, you know, there was a witness for anything that happened that shouldn't have happened and anything that
I saw, I've watched that. This guy makes no sense at all. Just a street idiot, you know, a street idiot with a phone, you know. It's it's but, scary. It, it's scary that people think they have the the authority to to fight back at the cops. And guess what? When when the cops want to arrest somebody, it it can get ugly. It can get ugly. It's not pretty. It's you know a, what what they would call awful but lawful, right? Yeah, you know, Yael, when I was uh, I was in, in the anti-crime six and a half years uh, mm -hmm. as a cop. I was in citywide anti-crime. I was in uh, precinct anti-crime as a sergeant. And I made sure I stayed in shape. I lifted weights four or five days a week. I would have, that guy kid would have went airborne by his mm -hmm. hair. That, I, there's no way. I mean, he got the best of that cop. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. That, that kid would have had big problems, you know? And all, that's another problem. We don't have anti-crime. Transit yeah. had one of the best anti-crime units there was under the ground. They had yeah. these decoy cops. They had transit anti-crime. Believe me, these guys were in shape. This cop was not, I mean, that kid was like 160 pounds of nothing. Wouldn't fight you back either or that, that much back in no, the They day, fought right? you back in our day too, but, you know, yeah. they were discouraged from fighting because we used overpowering force. You know, yeah. to overcome. Well, now they all. know, like the PBA said, now they know they can get back. They can they can punch a cop and and get back on the street. Like let's say let's say that kid had won the fight and managed to run away. What would have happened to him? Nothing. Nothing. What happened to him anyway? He was released yeah. that night. <laughs> True. Fair. Fair. Yeah. But it's not like you know, there would be like a manhunt for him. You again, know? let's get back to the politicians. The city council, they're nuts. You know, mm -hmm. they passed this diaphragm law. They pass all kinds of anti-cop anti legislation. Four out of the five DAs are all uh, Soros-elected, woke politicians mm -hmm. that are, are decarceral policy district attorneys, which for yeah. you guys who don't know what that word means, means they don't want anyone to go to jail or prison. No. They want them all to get diversion, which means yeah. crap. It, it, it's no one gets punished. And that's part of the problem. It, it, yeah, and 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 the people, and ironically, the people who are hurting the most are the same people that they're trying to protect, right? They're they're minority communities. There are people who live in in areas with more poverty. The the people who are right, you know, I I wrote in one of like my the Newsweek articles that I wrote. I said, you know, you know, I don't have to ride the subway at two a.m. to get to work, right? I'm lucky. I live in a nice neighborhood. I have a you know, but the person working at the Burger King, the person you know cleaning our our, our streets. They're the ones whose lives are even more so unbearable by this complete anarchy on our streets. Yeah, it's, it's really it's really it's pathetic. You maddening. know, I almost don't go into the city very often anymore. And, uh, well, I'll, you come, I'll, I'll protect you. Don't you can worry. protect me, okay? I still I'm still <laughs> strapped. I still got my gun permit. I still oh, got really? HR 218. So I, I, you know, but it's. I like, love riding the subway. It's 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 so fast. It's so effective. But yeah, I've. More than once, I found myself getting out of the car and going to a different car because of somebody. And it's kind of like the normal thing to do now. You're just like, okay, there's a guy here without his shirt on, and he's like yelling about Jesus and, you know, punching the wall. So I'm just going to get off the next stop and go to the next car. And it shouldn't be that way. You know, there are, there are too many people in the city. We pay too much in taxes. No, you, you shouldn't be. Your, your conduct shouldn't be changed. His should mm -hmm. be changed. Yeah, Your conduct, yeah, you had to move to another car. His conduct, he should be ejected from the system, you yeah. know? And the funny thing is, too, you see people now, people asking, like, my friends who are, you know, they, they don't necessarily know much about law enforcement, um, but they're they're liberal-minded or even progressive, and they're like, I don't understand. Why aren't they just uh, enforcing uh, turnstile jumping? Because if they stop people from getting in the turnstiles, getting through, you know, jumping the turnstiles, this wouldn't happen. And, you know, I, I, I have to laugh because they're absolutely right. But this is considered like very controversial, right? Broken windows. It's like it, it's something that that these these politicians have worked so hard to equate with some kind of racism or huge injustice. Yeah. You know, I have a theory behind that. And uh, the MTA is losing millions of dollars from turnstile jumpers and mm -hmm. they're they're willing to accept it. And you know who's going to pay for that? Me, <laughs> the owners of vehicles driving into Manhattan as they yeah. institute congestion pricing. Yeah, you don't have to yeah. be dumb to figure that out. Let's charge the suburban vehicle operator. Mm -hmm. Let's charge them because they're using that evil 
carbon emitting machine, yeah. you know, and so let's charge them congestion pricing and that'll go to pay for the fare for the turnstile jumpers. Brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. Nobody, you know, nobody wants to make tough decisions. Nobody wants to do, they just want to pass the buck to the next agency and like, Oh, this is NYPD's problem. And this is the MTA's problem. This is DOC's problem. But nobody wants to make the hard decisions. And guess what? You know, everything in, in life, especially criminal justice is a trade-off, right? Like you, you have to, you have to, you might have to impede the rights of some people in order to protect the rights of others. And nobody wants to do that. People just want to go on Twitter and complain. Yeah. I, well, I, I find that to be ridiculous, you know, because yeah. uh, when you don't want to um, interfere with someone's, what you perceive their rights, like, like we talked about before, no one has a right to live on the street. No mm -hmm. one has a right to live on the subway. Yeah, well, uh, these the, the politicians think they do, right? They think they yeah. have a right to to everything, and and they think about it in a vacuum, as if these people living on the streets doesn't affect any other people. And to me, it's like the minute one person is shoved in front of the subway tracks, the minute one one person is randomly stabbed, and that happens once a week in the city, you know, like we need to get into crisis mode. Like that's that that shit is over. Like we need to fix this right now. You know, 100%. You know, what part of your business, and uh, uh, Yael, I want people to know that you're, a, you're an expert in crisis communication, specifically mm -hmm. with law enforcement. And I just want to show a little bit of a video. And I think that the NYPD has learned how to do this pretty well. Yeah. Because when they, they get out there with a, um, say, a police shooting, and they get mm -hmm. right out into the street and they have their whole dog and pony show. And I'll just show this briefly. But this helps to get out in front of the poor or the bad or the incorrect information that the media will put out there. Single round fired from the suspect's firearm that struck the suspect in his left groin area and then exited the suspect and struck the officer in the right leg. I have watched the officer's body-worn cameras and their firearms have been inspected. At no time did any officer fire their weapons. This is a photo of that gun. Police say it was stolen from York County, South Carolina in October of 2020. Now, the gun and bullet were both recovered from the scene. The 16-year-old suspect, meanwhile, was arrested back in May 2020 for possession of a firearm. So there's another one of the huge problems is that there's mm -hmm. a recidivist gun possessor who's out and shoots a cop. Yeah, and yeah. the city council and these woke DAs have made this possible. At one yeah. time in New York City, uh, there was a time where you hadn't did a mandatory year. Then I believe it was three years for possession of a gun. Now, this guy would have got off on two counts. He's between the ages of 16 and 18. So he's going to be prosecuted in family court, which is an absolute mm -hmm. joke. And the other thing was, is that... Um, you know, they, they wouldn't even prosecute a gun, this new district attorney we have. People are being yeah. released all the time for possession of firearms. And I'll then they, what's, their, what's their answer? They put signs up. This is a gun-free zone. That is lunacy. That is absolute lunacy. I'll never forget this uh, social media exchange when, um, I want to say it was the district attorney in Los Angeles or um, somewhere in California, not San Francisco, but one of the progressive district attorneys and the NYPD had tweeted about taking a gun off the street from uh, a 14 year old boy. And, you know, everybody should be horrified by that. But this guy in California says, tweets something to the effect of, you know, you're just now he doesn't have protection and you're putting him in more danger because now he's not armed. And you just can't help but like laugh at the mental gymnastics of like now you're a second amendment advocate because you're advocating that this 14 year old needs a gun to protect himself in you know east new york uh it's it's absolutely uh, ridiculous it's dangerous again there's a huge double standard the same people who seem to care about gun violence um don't uh or you know about like gun gun laws and ban assault rifles and all that stuff um they don't care when it's when it's crime when it's used for for crime when it's used for gang violence when when kids are dying in shootouts Nobody can name the name of any child killed 
in Chicago, in New York, in Philly by a drive-by or by, you know, gang violence. Nobody. That does not fit, um, you know, their narrative. Their yeah, narrative yeah, it's, that it's, it's not it's not the person pulling the trigger. Mm -hmm. Then they'd have to admit to try to do something about it. It's the gun. It's the inanimate object that's doing all of this damage, not yeah. the person that pulls that trigger. Because guess what? They don't want to prosecute the person pulling that trigger. Yeah. You know, you hear even Hochul, I'll use her name, talking about ghost guns. Mm -hmm. How are ghost guns a problem? Or the iron pipeline? No, prosecute the people pulling the trigger and you'll see gun crime go down. Put them in prison. Yeah. Put them yeah. in jail. You know? Yeah, kids like going on TikTok and Instagram and, and you know flaunting their their guns like accessories. It, it's it's sad. I don't know. I, I I feel I feel sad and it's it's very it's very discouraging. But I also think people are starting to wake up a little bit. At least I see it in my surroundings and some of my community, my friends who are generally tend to be maybe more on the liberal side or getting more and more uh, frustrated. With the way things are so i'm hoping that we'll see a, a shift at some point because it's not going to come from the politicians who are in office no because i i think they really just care about uh, getting reelected, and and you know and they they preach to their base yeah. and uh as you said i feel sorry look you or me or anyone that has uh, is middle class or upper middle class at a certain hour you don't you're not going to take the subway you're gonna mm -hmm. jump in an Uber. You're yeah. Jump in a taxi cab. You have yeah. the means. You have the means to do so. Someone that's a dishwasher or working some blue collar job, that's not an option for them. Yeah. So they're the ones that you know. It's the subway is the gauntlet for them at yeah. two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's 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 infuriating, and I I think people are getting angry. I hope they direct their anger in the right direction at their politicians. Uh, enforcing the laws, prosecuting criminals, uh, and, you know, say like, this is New York City, right? Like the guy who you mentioned who who put his hands on the that, the, the person that the EMS workers were trying to uh, kick out, you know, like this this is New York. Like you can't, um, I, I don't know, are you allowed to swear on this podcast? I forgot. Yes, you can say okay. whatever you want. <laughs> Only I want to say like this is in, only if it's in Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, this is New York. Fuck, fuck around and find out, right? Like you just you you can't pull that shit. Well, you know, Yael, seventy one percent of our audience is women between the ages of forty five and sixty five. Oh, that's so, that's all for you, Bill. That's that's all. For uh, you. Yeah, yeah. That, I I guess, I guess I'm a I'm a sex symbol to the older women. You, I don't know. You're you're a fan <laughs> club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you forgot so, what you were gonna say. Um, no, I just, I said, you know, in, in New York, you don't, you just can't get away with this shit. I'm sorry. Like it's not LA. It's not San Francisco. It's not Portland. People need to demand better from their, their city. Except that this discouraging thing is that a mayor like de Blasio got reelected. Uh, he got elected twice. And yeah. in the second term, the smallest turnout, I think in the history of the morality, but he still got reelected. So yeah, that to yeah. me, that's scary because that tells me the electorate in New York City is nuts. They're out of their mind because yeah. they yeah. well, also. I don't think people vote, right? Like who votes? Like a lot of um, now more and more, but people need to become more politically engaged. I think too. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. you're right because, or else the you know, look when Rudolph Giuliani got elected. Uh, and when he beat David Dinkins, he still only beat him, I think, by like two or three mm -hmm. percentage points. Yeah. And it was the perfect storm. Crime yeah. was look what out of control. In the, in the recall in San Francisco, you know, that's a little, um, I, I hopefully, uh, you know, a good a sign of progress for people in San Francisco, one of the most liberal cities in the country, recalled their district attorney because he was a whack job. Well, his, his mother and father were part of the Brinks robbery. All, all four of his parents, we have a, a friend who says all four of his parents are terrorists because he was, yeah. his mother and father were in jail for the Brinks robbery and his, he was raised by two other terrorists from the Weather Underground. Uh, yeah, but do you also so, realize Columbia University hired his mother as a professor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of I course. mean, that's the city we live in. 
you know, but, that, you know, but if a speaker comes to Colombia to talk about Israel, there'll be protests up and down Morningside Heights, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I find that uh, extremely disturbing too. Yeah. I want you to get a shot at talking about, and I, I'm going to show this little video and everyone's seen this video uh, a million times. Uh, and I want to connect this into uh, emergency and crisis management communication. And of course, this is the Eric Garner video. Mm -hmm. And we, we watched this probably, the news couldn't play this enough times. Yeah, yeah. Cigarettes illegally on New York Staten Island, seen here being taken down by NYPD officer Daniel Pantaleo. The officer apparently using a banned chokehold on Garner. The father of six later died. His death was ruled a homicide by the medical examiner. But the grand jury choosing not to indict Officer Pantaleo, a decision that infuriated many. And it was over a lousy cigarette that killed the man. Anybody with eyes can see what happened. How in the hell did it go that way? In a statement released tonight, Pantaleo said, It is never my intention to harm anyone. And I feel bad about the death of Mr. Garner. Garner's family furious with the grand jury's decision and unmoved by the apology. Hell. Well, I just wanted to uh, show that because of now you're you're advising the NYPD. This mm -hmm. is definitely a crisis, yeah. crisis communication. How do you get out in front of something as tumultuous as this? This is, this is a really, really tough one, Bill. This is a really tough one because it is – you know, one of those cases that just looks so bad and it was a perfect storm. I think it was uh, right in the, you know, in the heart of the whole Black Lives Matter situation. And you're, it's very hard. You have to get out there with the facts, but it's going to be very hard. Your facts are never going to be as impactful as the emotion. Right. So if people watching this video and they see what they think is, is a man being choked to death. And by the way, if you if you look up Eric Garner and you look at New York Times or whatever, You'll still see people say about Eric Garner that he was choked to death by the police department, which is not true. The, the man died, you know, later on the operating table, but it's still considered one of those cases where he was choked to death by police over cigarettes, right? Which also wasn't the case. He wasn't, it was arrested for refusing to, to comply, for refusing to cooperate with the police officers, which had been there several times before to talk to him. So the situation is is a, is a classic, I think, awful but lawful. It's a tragic situation. But when people talk about bad policing and bad cops, um, I, I hate to say it, but every every cop I know watches watch that video, and I was at NYPD at the time, and said to himself that that could have been me. I, I could have been that cop, Daniel Pantaleo. I that could this could be my in death custody, right? They watch a video of of George Floyd and Derek Chauvin. And they don't say that. They say, okay, this 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 Derek Chauvin guy is like an asshole. What's he doing? But they watch they watch Eric Garner and Dan, Daniel Pantaleo, and they're like, that could have been me because I was I was taking somebody down. I was using force. Uh, maybe my arm was an inch or, or two inches low or high or whatever counts as a chokehold. But it, it, cops do this thousands of times a day around the country, and in this case, it had a tragic ending that was just completely spun into something it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, you use that expression, and it, it, it has a lot of weight, awful but lawful. And, you know, mm -hmm. the expression that politicians love to use is everyone likes sausage, but no one likes to see it yeah. Uh, yeah. Get made. And all that stuff is true. But that was a a, um, a video that we saw over and over and all over the and time. over again. All the time. And it really is tough for the police to get ahead of that because yeah. it's just the news loves to you know it increases ratings whatever they love to show yeah. it over and, and over one of the again. sayings that that i i really like is um in policing you you need to invest in the bank of, of public trust because you're going to withdraw from it from time to time right and this is the nature of the job you're going to do things things are going to happen that are going to be not good or even let's say even if you have a bad cop, even if you have, let's say, a cop who completely abused their power, that is, in a way, that's easier to deal with from a communications point of view because you can just come up and say, okay, this cop 
went against guidelines, whatever, he's being punished. But it's so much harder when it's something like this, which is completely a gray, gray area. Um, and, and these things are going to happen. And, you know, if, if we are, if, if this country is going to, going to rise and fall every time somebody dies in police custody, we're, you know, we're going to have a big problem because each of these cases should be examined, but they're not all the same. No, 100%. No, Yael, I want to show your, um, this is Yael's website. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out my, my podcast too. Oh, okay. Mind. Well, let me just show this first. Let me do one thing at a time. Uh, Please. If you guys want to go on her website, it's yaelbartour.com. And uh, it'll tell you what she does, her story and all of that stuff. And uh, let me just remove this. Uh, now your um, your podcast. What is your Yeah. Uh, so first of all, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is yaelbt. Um, and I, I also have a podcast. Uh, if you want to listen to it, it's not about policing. Uh, but I think it's it's pretty fun. Uh, it's called Ask a Jew. You don't need to be Jewish <laughs> to listen to it. You don't even need to like Jews. You can be you can be an anti-Semite. We have a lot of anti-Semitic listeners. Um, but it's my, myself. Oh, yeah, and, and you're actually you're actually encouraging them to come on. Oh, the you know, it's any traffic is good is good for us. Uh, no, I'm joking. But I it's me. I'm a very secular Jew, and my co-host is an Orthodox Hasidic Jew, like the ones you see in Brooklyn with the, you know, the wig and all the kids and everything. And let me tell you, Bill, nothing is off limits on our show. There is a lot of uh, swearing. There's a lot of talking about topics that are uh, taboo and we just have fun. So if you want to listen to it, it's called Ask a Jew. You can find it wherever, wherever you find podcasts. Um, and I, um, I'm on Twitter as well, just, uh, you know, getting angry at uh, things related to police and Israel for the most part. You know, uh, Yael, Squirrel Sandwich, thank you for the $2 super chat. And thank she, you. She, she wrote, this guest is fabulous. Squirrel Sandwich, Aww. I just got to know, is that Squirrel Sandwich kosher? Because we, <laughs> have, we have Yael on tonight. I got I to know that. You know? That's, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. But we'll, we'll, we'll take it anyway. We'll she is a fantastic anyway. guest. And um, I've had her on uh, before with uh, a writer named uh, Nancy Rommelman, who's mm -hmm. also a very interesting person. And, you know, I do a lot of shows on this, and I've sort of segued into doing almost 90% real crime, more than that probably, mm -hmm. almost exclusively real crime. And Mark and I, who started this show, I don't do shows with him anymore. He's still on the channel. Mm -hmm. He does a show on Monday and Thursday. Monday, it's called The Week in Crime with Mayo and Meso, and Thursday, he does um, After Hours with Mark DeMeo. And I just do um, uh, police off the cuff slash real crime stories, and it, I used to do you it should talk to, to Nancy about Portland. She's been following a horrific case there of a woman who was murdered by her partner, uh, who was released, of course, uh, after, you know, uh, threatening to kill her, which he eventually did. So what, what's just, the name? What's the name of the person that was murdered? Uh, I, I, I forgot. But if you go to Nancy's uh, Twitter, she talks about it a lot. But it's a horrific case of, of domestic violence. That oh, it was could, it was his wife or his common law wife. Yeah, could absolutely have been stopped, but this you know these crazy ass politicians decided that you know this guy deserves a second chance or a third or a fourth or a fifth. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, Yael, I just really I really like to just thank you for coming on tonight. And you know, I, I was glad that I was you were brought to my attention again because uh, I was on LinkedIn and I saw the article. Uh, the latest information misinformation campaign is targeting cops. And I read it and I said, wow, that's uh that's an interesting article. And if you say it was also in Newsweek, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a uh, opinion piece on Newsweek. That's great. Mm -hmm. So uh, folks, this is, um, uh, Yael, you have any final words before I, uh, we're almost at exactly an hour. You have any final oh, words? No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always, uh, it's always a good time. I always love chatting with you. And um, hopefully we'll talk soon. I'm sure there won't be a shortage of things to get mad about. So no, <laughs> sometimes you know, I do a show sometimes in the, during the day called Coffee with Cannon. Mm -hmm. and sometimes I do it out in my yard or back by my pool, and I either call it Coffee with Cannon, Backyard Beverage, or Bitching with Bill. Because sometimes I just get into a total, <laughs> I get into a total rant where I just rant the whole damn hour. Yeah, and yeah. People sometimes find that funny. Do you remember? Um, 
the guy who used to do the Crazy Eddie commercials. You're probably too young for that. No. Crazy Eddie for prices are insane. Sometimes I feel like I'm like crazy, the Crazy Eddie. Yeah, guy, you know? yeah. But, There's uh, a lot to vent about. There certainly is. Would you stay around for about five minutes after uh, I say goodbye to everyone? Of course. So I could talk to you off the air for a second. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Folks, thank you so much. Uh, you know, this is the second show I did today. I did a show at 12.15. Thank you so much for coming by this evening. On behalf of Bill Cannon and Yael Bartor, have a great night, everybody. One episode, just ain't enough.